everybody, you're listening to the Rock Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. The podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend that you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. And you can find that at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom and we're rope partners. We have been practicing together for just over a year. We're excited to share our passion for rope with you. Oh, and we live in Thailand, which is a pretty amazing place, by the way. Today, I'm excited to welcome our first ever segment of Listener's Mail. So what is Listener's Mail? It's you, the listeners, sending us some questions through our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. So today we have Oda from Michigan with some very nice questions and honestly Oda gave us enough this time to do her whole episode with so that's that's what we'll be doing today we will be listening to Oda's questions and trying to address them one by one she certainly did give us a lot of advice a lot of suggestions Uh, she did and uh, I mean a lot of her questions uh, center around beginning in rope which I think will be of interest to, uh, to a lot of people. And Maya, you can give uh, more of a bottom perspective in your answers, and obviously I will give more of a top perspective. For sure. Okay, so I have some questions about rope. What advice would you give to beginners? So first of all, if you're beginning in rope, uh, one thing I could not stress enough is do a lot of research and get some proper training. Uh, there are tons of workshops you can visit. There are a lot of online resources when you can learn about anatomy, where you can learn about ties, where you can get safety information. If it's at all possible, I would recommend uh, attending some live workshops. And I know that depending on the part of the world you're living in, this is more or less easy. But if you can somehow work it into one of your trips, one of your holidays, it is a really good idea to start this way. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, seeing people do rope is also really important. So as part of your research, watch some videos about people tying together, um, because just watching the more practical stuff around how to tie doesn't give you um, more of the feelings aspects of rope. That's very true. Uh, As for rope tops who are just beginning, I would advise to first identify what your interest in rope is. Are you interested in the aesthetics? Do you like the beautiful pictures? Or are you more into the sensual side, the touch, the connection with the person? Are you more attracted to the sexual side? Uh, Do you want to use rope bondage as a tool in the bedroom? Are you more attracted to a SM side where you want to use rope pain or to restrict someone when you're applying pain to them and uh, lastly you could also simply be more interested in the technical side because it's it's actually quite interesting to learn to tie Uh, quite technical can be quite uh, intricate so that that could also be uh, an attraction and then based on that interest or set of interest that you've identified you can start building the rope system that matches that and finding the right type of rope, the right type of ties that will best serve that interest of yours. Also, I would add, it, it can be easy to focus on the rope 
when you're starting and forget you're tying a person. Don't forget the person. Rope <laughs> is about two or more people coming together to share that activity. And even if at first you're kind of confused by some of the knots and so on, try to keep the connection to the person you're tying open. What about, what about beginning advice for bottoms, Maya? Um, so I would say, uh, just to add to the top piece, when they're tying, um, don't forget to match what your interests are with the other person. Mm. So uh, if you already have a partner, like a romantic partner or a relationship partner and you want to do rope with them and you're you're getting into it together then having that discussion about um what the both of you want out of it i think is is useful because i think sometimes um we start off in one place um and then and then it can develop depending on the interests of the other person there's a there's a lot of good energy that you can get by um meeting your partner's rope goals as well as your own that's very true um, so in terms of bottoms, um, I, I think that one of the things that's quite important is is doing that research and training yourself. So some bottoms are also switchy and will do some uh, rigging themselves. And obviously, if you do that, that's going to give you um, all the pros of a, uh, a rigger. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not going to tie, and, and I don't tie myself, that's not an interest of mine, then you still need to do some uh, re research and you still need to invest in... Um, understanding, uh, first of all, the safety stuff, um, but also investing in being a better bottom. So, um, what, what, one thing would one, what would one do if they wanted to build some bottom skills, do you think? Yeah, so, so I think um, sometimes people see uh, the bottom role as quite passive, and I, I would not see it like that at all. So I think there's something around um, developing your body as to how you want to be in rope so if you want to do um very athletic uh aesthetic ties that involve you bending your body in lots of different ways well you're probably going to need to do some uh yoga or some stretching um, and develop your flexibility um but it's not enough just to have flexibility you also need core strength so and you've done quite a bit of yoga yourself i think maya yeah i have so yoga's um been an interest of mine for uh gosh maybe 10 10, 15 years, quite a long time anyway, on and off. Not that I'm a super uh, uh, experienced yoga person, but it's certainly something that's in my life. And so stretching is quite natural to me, and it's something that I do a lot, and I'm quite flexible. Where my um, <laughs> my area of development is is much more in the uh, core strength piece. Because yeah. one of the things that can happen if you're very flexible is you can bend very far, but not have the muscles to hold yourself up. Um, and if sense. you're in a tie and like your head is... Um, hanging back or your or your body is at a particular angle sometimes you need to be able to um, you know move your uh, your body in that um, I also had a, a former rope partner who was a ballet dancer and that was a, a discipline that helped her build a lot of skills that were useful as a rope bottom yeah definitely so aerial silks going to the gym um, gymnastics, uh, dance of any kind, stretching, pilates, all of those things I think are very um, supportive in terms of building bottom skills. Um, I, I have a friend who has a rope switch who has also a pole dancer and then also seems to be a, a popular activity to pair up with rope. Yeah, I suspect that that is um, because a lot of kinky people, that that's an interest of kinky people. So. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a, I think there's a strong component of masochism yeah. to both the ballet dancing and the pole dancing. Yeah, 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 God, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. 
Um, so yeah, invest in your bottom skills. Don't just see it as, okay, you turn up and then work gets done to you. Consider it as a, a partnership and understand uh, what kind of bottom you are. So just like you were talking about with the different interests, know what flavor rope that you like. And also know what do you need to tell people that you tie with? So for me, for example, I have some chronic uh, pain issues around my neck. And so I don't turn my head in certain ways. It's really important that I tell new people that. And so kind of having a, a cheat sheet on what to tell tops is quite useful. Mm -hmm. um, Okay, I, I hope that we have uh, adequately covered uh, Oda's first question. Rope can be dangerous. What are the main risks to be aware of before tying or being tied? Well, Oda, we actually have uh, a whole uh, introduction episode to this podcast, which is episode zero. And I think we've covered the safety risk aspect of rope quite well in that episode. So I really recommend you and everyone else goes and listens to that episode zero first. You can always find it at the top of our FetLife page, which is Rope Podcast, single word. Rope can be made of many different materials. Is all rope care the same? Washing, coiling, untwisting, stuff like that? So actually, as a top, I, I don't really do much rope care myself. I, I have a, a tendency to uh, leave the rope care to my uh, partners because uh, my relationships are power exchange par uh, relationships and having a rope care as part of a service aspect of power exchange I think is quite interesting so Maya take it away <laughs> um, okay so I, I think first of all you need to know um, what your rope is and you need to understand um, the implications of, of what that, that material is. So for example, synthetic rope um, is probably gonna melt. Uh, so you wouldn't put that near a heat source. Whereas natural fiber rope, um, sometimes you might use um, a naked flame to burn off all of those fluffy bits of rope. Take off um, the whiskers. Yeah, so polishing rope. Uh, sometimes it's called. So that's like a, a good example of, okay, you really need to know what type of rope it is because that rope is going to have quite a different um, impact depending on what, what uh, rope it is. Um, it's also useful to know what kind of rope you have and how it's already been treated. So if you buy a speci specific bondage rope, so rope that has been uh, created and sold by uh, probably someone in the community specific for bondage, then um, hopefully it's not going to have, you know, a ton of horrible chemicals in it. It's not going to have been treated in a way that is going to make a bottom skin uh, react. Um, whereas if you just buy rope from a store, then then it might because you don't know what's um, what's been in it. Um, people like different types of rope. So um, some people like rope that is quite um, quite rough. So all those fluffy bits or the the more scrapey bits they actually like. Whereas other people like um, a more, what do you call it? Sticky rope. Mm -hmm. That's the word that you yeah. use. Um, and so from a, from a top perspective, you probably have a preference. And from a bottom perspective, you probably have a, a preference. So understanding how it's been treated is, um, is useful. And probably from your manufacturer, you'll have some rope care instructions. So it's useful to have a look at those. Um, washing rope is a bit of a 
um, hot topic. So you have some views on on washing rope. What's your what are your thoughts? Uh, well, washing natural fiber is going to damage it and denature it. So the first question I would ask myself is: Does this rope actually need to be washed? Because uh, some people have a very um, psychological reaction to saying, "Oh, I want I want my things to be clean." In the same way, they would say. I wash my clothes. Uh, I wouldn't go out with uh, with clothes on my back that haven't been washed. So I'm not going to do a uh, a rope scene with uh, with with rope that hasn't been washed. But I think uh, excessive washing is uh, is really not a good thing for your rope if you're tying with uh, natural fiber. And I would look carefully at whether I psychologically think my rope should be washed versus my rope actually needs to be washed. And there are ways uh, you can minimize the need to wash the rope. For instance, uh, if, you're, uh, if your rope is uh, absorbing fluids during the scene because maybe you're doing something pretty intimate, that's maybe a rope that goes into a different pile and that you're only going to use with, with, with that one person. But uh, yeah, for natural fiber, I would, uh, I would certainly try to, um, to minimize uh, the washing I have to do of it. And then if, uh, if I do have to wash it, well, if you do have to wash it, Maya, because <laughs> let's be clear, I'm not going to do that. Uh, then, of course, we would uh, rewax it after it's been uh, it's been washed and make sure it's uh, dried under tension so it doesn't unwind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and the other piece is around storing rope. So this this is one of those areas I find quite interesting just because there are so many different ways that you can um, store rope. Um, the the phrase that people use is hanking hanking rope, which basically means to to bundle it um, in a particular way. Um, and as far as I can tell from from my research, there's like tens of different ways that you can uh, bundle or hank your rope to store it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it depends how long the rope is going to be stored for. So if you don't do rope very often, it's going to be stored. Um, uh, in that way for a long time, then you might not want to put too many coils and twists in it uh, because the rope might take take those on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use your rope a lot and it, it gets the opportunity to just um, be out and be stretched and, and be used, then I think that's a slightly uh, different thing. Um, I have heard it recommended that you let your rope um, just hang, so literally have lots of strands of rope hanging straight down to, to relax them and let the tension out. Um, also uh, every now and then Um, and I think um, I have a quite a nice uh, video from FetLife with different types of hanking so I'll put that in the the notes of the episode and then people can can see and I will say I tried probably three different ways before I as a rope bottom and not a very uh, I will admit spatially aware person (laughs) um, before I found It took me a long time just to work out how that. There was a bit that I just really couldn't get. Anyway, now it's fine. So, um, but it took me three different types before I found one that sort of fitted with um, with what worked for me. So experimenting, I think, is also good. But people, it's so interesting looking at people's rope bags because they have, like, people have real preferences about how they store their rope. Awesome. Yeah, you, we will put uh, the link to this video you found uh, in the show notes, which will be in the writing on the FetLife page when we post this episode. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free. Far from it, actually. 
So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. How can a new bottom know if the tightness of a tie is too tight or simply secure? So I think this is this is important because safety. Um, but I think what's really interesting is uh, certainly you and I have heard people who've who've tied things not tightly enough, just as much as too tight, um, and that can cause other dangers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it can it can because then the rope is not going to hold position, and it can very easily slip into a dangerous position, especially if it's rope on the arm and it slides down to a place where it can um, it can attack the radial nerve. And also, if you're doing any suspension, you want your harnesses to stay in place to a degree. And if they're super loose, the, the model is just going to fly out of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. So from a, a safety perspective, um, can we recap very briefly the, the things that the bottom should be looking for around the tightness? Uh, sure. I, I think it's, it's super important for the bottom to be able to differentiate between uh, nerve impingement and the circulation sensations. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then the bottom should be aware of her breathing and should communicate soon uh, if she thinks there's any hint that she's having breathing difficulties. Yeah, and and I would say um, as a bottom, try and, um, especially when you're very new, try and be very mindful of what's happening. So you can get very... um, you know, swept swept away, particularly if it's all all new. But if you're doing stuff that's that's quite new to to you and quite different, then then being mindful about your body and what's happening with it is really important. Um, and and I would also say, err on the side of caution when you start. So it's a lot easier to come out of a tie a bit sooner than it is to undo nerve damage. Um, and and with practice. You start to get, um, you start to understand more what I guess, uh, what would we say, good pain and bad pain feels right. like in the tie. So there's some some um, discomfort in a tie, which which is which is fine. It's just discomfort, and there's some which is quite dangerous. And what I've found over time is that now there are how to explain so there there are um pains where i think okay that doesn't feel quite right and if i what i've learned is from feedback after the scene on my body i can tell the kind of pain that's going to cause me like problems or marks or or whatever but that's done through feedback loops so um thinking about it within the scene and then after the scene saying oh yeah look there's a really deep red mark there that doesn't look you know, as healthy as yeah. the rest of my work marks. Looking, looking at rope marks after you've seen is a, a goldmine of information about your rope. Um, we'll, we'll probably come back to that in, uh, in further episodes. Uh, also on the more tight versus less tight subject, I will add that not all bottoms are after the same sensations. So it's, uh, it's something you should talk about with your bottom. Uh, how much pain does she like with her rope? How tight does she like to be tied? And it's something also you can discuss during the tie. As you put a wrap in, uh, is this tightness okay? And sometimes they'll say, it's a little bit tight. Can you make it a little looser? Or sometimes they say, 
yeah, God, go ahead and make it even tighter. So it's important <laughs> to have uh, this kind of, uh, of communication during the first few reps of your scene. And then I would say, ideally as a rigger, you probably want to work on a range of ways to tie so you can give different sensations to different people. And you, in the ideal, I think, should be able to tie very tight someone who's looking for that while still being safe and also give a loser easier tie to a bottom that is more looking for that. In the negotiation phase, are there any questions or areas that beginners tend to miss? Yes, yes, Oda, there is. And I will say not only beginners, because, uh, well, when you meet, especially when you meet a new partner for rope for the first time, you tend to be very excited. And <laughs> you're in a mind space where it's easy to forget stuff or minimize some important stuff. Also, when you're doing rope in a stressful environment, such as a play party, some kind of performance, you're at a workshop or at a class, you, you have a lot of stresses and pressure to perform in a certain way. And that can easily make things slip your mind. Which is why, personally, I use a written checklist for my negotiation phase. Um, it, can, it can seem a bit much to some people when I pull out the clipboard, <laughs> but I'd rather be thorough and make sure I don't forget something important and regret it later. So I think we'll cover uh, more in depth the negotiation aspect uh, in a future episode and I can give more details about what's on my checklist then. Sure. And, and this is where your um, preparation as a bottom for what are the things that are important to tell your top is also very useful. How much did you tie before it stopped feeling like practicing? Um, personally, my first scene as in the first rope I did that did not feel like practice was uh, during my second uh, teaching session ever. Second time ever I picked up some rope. There was some instruction from the rigger who was uh, working the, was running the workshop, but pretty quick it turned into a more sceny thing. I was, uh, I was with my partner and uh, yeah, during that ver that uh, that night, which was my second time using rope ever, we had our uh, first scene. So it's it's more uh, of a of a person thing. Some people want to practice a lot and feel very confident in their skill before they will attempt something. Personally, I'm more of the kind of person who wants to apply a new skill right away. So I didn't <laughs> do a very complicated scene. I didn't do anything crazy. But I was learning rope with a specific goal in mind, and so I wanted to apply it. I, I think that's a good good point that you make about not making it very complicated. So uh, to use rope, you could use single and do double columns, very simple, yeah. and have a very successful scene. Absolutely. So you don't have to you don't have to have complicated ties. Please don't start with a TK. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Then I would say to be more comfortable and w more comfortable with uh, with the rope and have to think less about what I'm tying. I would say it took me about two months of uh, tying weekly or more frequently, but that that's also going to be different for everyone because we have different learning styles and learning speeds, and uh, the hangups won't be the same. Some people may may need to develop their uh, manual dexterity more, some people may have more trouble remembering how a certain tie works, so everyone's going to be different. Uh, Maya does have a, an interesting uh, concept of uh, rope fluency, though. would you explain what you mean by that, Maya? 
Yeah, so so as a bottom, um, having tied with quite a few people now, um, it's really interesting to see how fluid people are with their rope. So um, it, I, I really think it's much better to have simpler ties, but to have that um, fluidity and uh, um, ability to just use the rope in a very smooth way. Mm. Um, and that's what gets you a, a melty, relaxed bottom and and it's interesting i think it can be learned but i also think that some people are naturally more comfortable with it um whether that's a spatial awareness thing or a dexterity thing i'm not maybe, sure maybe also a confidence thing no yeah and and i also wonder if it's part of the um the rest of the skills experience in bdsm so if you are like for you for example you've mm -hmm. been um doing power exchange scenes for you know a very long time About and so years now <laughs> very long time so um for you rope is another tool and you already have a load of tools mm -hmm. and so it's like bringing in another tool to your kit whereas for someone who you know rope is like the first thing that they do in bdsm that's an entirely different thing so i, I also think that that plays into it how experienced and comfortable you are more generally with skills in bdsm that's a very good point maya what are your favorite aspects of rope play so that's a very interesting question, uh, Oda. Uh, Maya, why don't you take it away and answer first, and then I will answer for myself. Um, okay, so um, my so two two aspects that I like. So one is the communication and the connection. So between us, for example, um, a rope is like an, a whole other language, and and I love that. I love the way the variety of types of rope that we can do and, and the different moods and, and all of those kind of things. And with new people, I really like um, feeling the different types of rope uh, because people, like, like we were talking about that uh, fluidity thing, people use rope in very different ways. Yeah. And the other thing I like a lot is um, the more power exchange, uh, vulnerability aspect of it. Um, which I think has two aspects. So if I'm tying non-sexually, it's a very uh, safe space. It's a very relaxed place for me. It's quite a spacey, peaceful place. Um, and if I'm doing um, both with you in a power exchange way, then it's much more about restraint and, and it's quite sexual for me. Mm -hmm. Fox, what about you? Uh I would say mainly I'm very attracted to the sensuality of rope. Um, I am a very touch-oriented person. Yes, you are. I love skin contact. I love uh, cuddling. So rope does get me uh, a lot of that uh, sensuality, both during the tying process and also during the untying and aftercare phase of the scene. So that is, uh, that is something I'm, uh, I'm very fond of. Uh, also another thing I love to do with rope is discovering and exploring a new partner's body as well as their reactions because everyone is going to be different. Everyone is going to smell different, uh, touching everyone's skin is going to give a, a slightly different impressions but especially the way they're going to react to all of that. Uh, are they going to be relaxed or are they going to be tense? Are they going to be very vocal or are they going to be very quiet? Uh, I find that exploration bit very interesting. And then lastly, I have a strong primal side. Did you, did you know that, Maya? I uh, may have come across it once or twice. 
And there is a, an aspect to rope uh, with the whole capture thing, like a, a predator and a prey in some forms of primal prey, a primal play, sorry. And, uh, and also there is bringing your bottom to a state of defenselessness, which is something that I find uh, very interesting and also, to be frank, quite arousing. How important do you feel it is to know terms, like the names of knots and things? Well, I think it's uh, Confucius, uh, and if it's not, I'm going to pretend it is, who said <laughs> that if you call every bird bird, you will never learn anything about birds. And uh, I think Confucius was a pretty smart guy. Would you agree, Maya? I have heard he had some wisdom going down, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I would say it's pretty important to know what things are called. Um, because if you, for instance, want to learn a specific type, if you know its name, you're going to go to YouTube and type in um, gunslinger harness, and there you learn how to uh, to tie a gunslinger harness. If you go to a party, you saw someone tie a pretty cool harness, you have no idea what it's called, how are you going to find it again to learn it? And if you're, com if you're a bottom and communicating with your top, and you really want a single foot momo suspension in full inversion, <laughs> Just a random example, you know, Maya. <laughs> just a random example. Yeah, how, and how are you going to ask for it if you don't know either the word futomomo or the word full inversion? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna ask for that. But anyway, um, it's also useful for um, when you have urgent stuff. So if you're communicating with your rigger and you have a problem as a bottom, then you need to know. Okay, uh, the this bit of the tie is. Um, too tight so you also need the terminology around your body so your upper right bicep or, or whatever um, so you can be very specific about that yeah and generally uh, riggers are going hopefully to know quite a bit of anatomy because they would have researched the nerve pathways and such so if you say something like upper right bicep they, they should know what that is so that's all from us at the rope podcast don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, and that could be from iTunes, from Stitcher, or from wherever else. Uh, in my case, it's uh, Beyond Pod on my Android phone. And come <laughs> uh, friend us on our FetLife page, which is Rope Podcast. So Rope Podcast, single word, no hyphen or space, just Rope Podcast. And as you've seen, we love questions from listeners. So drop us a message on FET, and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. And thank you so much, Oda from Michigan, for being the first listener to send us some questions. Thanks, Oda. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.